Right, lovely. Okay, so normally the process that we've had is it's like one question per individual if there's like four to five uh, contributors. But seeing as there's only three of you and you've both all kind of come with quite a few questions, um, I've kind of narrowed it down to like kind of two per uh, individual. Um, so I don't know if you've all got the format up on your screens as well or got access to it. But if we start potentially going through some of Fia's questions first, and then we'll go through Sama's and then Jesper's at the end. Uh, conscious that this is all trying to like maintain it within the hour. Um, so if certain individuals start you know, going down tangents, I don't mean to be rude if I interrupt and try and move on to get somebody else to contribute or just get into the next topic as well. Is that all right with everyone? Yep. Yep. Lovely. All right, uh, Fia, by all means, if you just want to take it away and start with your first question. Yeah, um, I, uh, so first question, I'm wondering, how do we best do onboarding for distributed teams? And uh, um, I'm curious on, on, do you have any best practices regarding this in your companies? So take it away, one of you two. Jesper, if you want to start. <clears throat> well, I, I take onboarding as being uh, getting introduced to a new project. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, yeah, um, I phrase it a little bit openly so that you can interpret. Um, and then I'll follow up with questions if I have more. Mm -hmm. Actually, uh, for me, onboarding is not that much impacted. Uh, by the team being distributed, it's it's a process where, uh, you know, it's it's mainly one or or few individuals that need to be uh, brought up to speed with a certain set of knowledge. Um, so it's 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 a quite um, <clears throat> a single direction information flow, if you wish. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's revolves around the, you know, installing code, reading documentation specs, uh, talking to people on how to get things up and running so you can test stuff and play around with whatever the project is. Um, it, it's very much gathering information from the organization by by single individual so i i don't really think that we have put anything specific in place for that uh, because of being uh, distributed uh, it's it's sort of following the same type of process i think that that happened before okay so not so much has changed for you i'm when... curious do you have a yeah. no by all means go Oh, thanks. Um, I'm curious, have you encountered um, when onboarding new team members, any um, any uh, people are, are lacking that social contact and getting to know each other? Uh, have you established any activities like social activities online uh, that could help uh, an employee feel more a part of the gang and part of the team? we have tried a lot of different things <laughs> um yep. i guess that that sort of uh, relates to to actually 
one of my questions, which is uh, not so much onboarding as as new employee cultural introduction thing, because that's uh, much more difficult. Mm. Um, for if we're talking like the the uh, theme spirit and feeling kind of area, we have tried lots of different initiatives like. Uh, uh, we've been all over the place creating forums on the various uh, social platforms. Uh, we tried Discord with the gaming inclined people of, of the dev teams. And uh, we've uh, had lots of different Slack channels with various themes that meet up at specific hours to do specific things and you know, just hang out and maybe make house music or, or uh, uh, do a virtual fika or stuff like that. It's the the tough part, I think, if we're talking, you know, replacing the social component of a project onboarding, introducing a new team member to the team, even though when when it's a person that's uh, been part of the company, so so actually people sort of know each other, but they might not have been in that team before. Um, that doesn't really um, those those social things. They they I don't think people perceive them as part of the onboarding. They're perceived more of a, like a separate thing. So the onboarding goes on. You know, you start working with the code and you participate in the standups and and that's how you onboard. Mm -hmm. and your social social side, we never sort of connected that with the projects a lot. How, like, how about um, you, Usa? Like, if you've from like the other side of that question, not just like on a project base, but also technically onboarding a new employee to the company, how have you guys handled that now that you know it's more distributed? What are you doing differently, potentially, or what? How are you doing it essentially? Well, I think when it comes to um, onboarding somebody to the company's culture. Um, it might be different from onboarding to a project-based um, team. And, and I, we've been lucky enough that we've, we've believed so much in documentation. And I think that was one of our culture pillars in documentations go first. So whenever ritual, whenever activity we do, whenever we decide on this is how we want to work, this is how we want to kind of interact and things like that, we document that, we use the notion heavily. Um, and that really helped us when we kind of, you know, found ourselves in a situation where we have to switch to remote. We find we find ourselves with a really nice documentation that we were like, well, we could use this to actually as a baseline or as a start line for anybody that joins. To just go there and read about it and kind of find the key elements that will help them um, get on board into the company's culture. And things like like specifically, I can speak about, for example, we have. Um, a face board where you could go around and see all your colleagues basically that you share um, the same competence with, like for example, engineers that we have for everybody, they have their own page, see it like an internal LinkedIn thingy. Okay. And where people speak about their hobbies, speak about their their strengths and their weaknesses. And kind of, if you have questions about TypeScript, this person, if you have, um, if you wanna organize um, a gaming evening, go to this person and stuff like this. We've also kind of, you know, part of the documentation, we've documented our rituals, like what are the engineering kind of uh, activities that we do. For example, we have all hands and 
we have what we call a Friday documentation. This is how it works, that, that kind of activity, this is how it works. This is what you're supposed to get out of it. This is how you can contribute. And this is the rotation left if you want to actually jump in and provide something to your colleagues. So I, I think documentation was a key thing to kind of smoothen up culture onboarding to anybody that's new to the company. So that's helped you actually from the early, so you basically transitioned something from beforehand that was like best practices and that you found that that's actually really helped you when you've actually become distributed as well. So exactly. through no fault of your own, your, your extra persistence in making sure that documentation is as solid as it is, has actually, you know, without, without realizing it been super beneficial further down the road. Exactly. Yeah. I find it interesting that you're able to sort of convene company culture through documentation. That's a that's a interesting notion. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yes, I, I think it is something really amazing that we kind of found out this tool notion and it's kind of very visual, like in like classic documentation tools where you can find like a bunch of um, Google Docs or whatever other tools you might find for documentation. But um, Notion was very visual. You could actually add pictures, even add videos. Um, some teams want to the extent of re recording a, like a two minute video explaining what they do and how they work and stuff like that. And uh, we kind of have a section that is called Our Culture. And if you read through it, you'll find like one page about the people, one page about the core values, one page about um, how we do a personal growth. Um, we have a page about what kind of things we are really into. Like we transition, for example, from, uh, like a pure agile work to a more of like a, a shape up uh, method. So we kind of documented that. So, and you can see those key elements of the culture kind of documented with pictures, with trials and errors and what we learned, what we did wrong and how we recovered from kind of situation like that. And if you read through it, you feel like well, this company has a culture of like fail fast, um, um, not being afraid of doing this to move on and be close together as what well. we've emphasized a lot on personal pages for people to kind of think about what they contribute in and what, what they need help with and stuff like that. I mean, that being said, that doesn't mean it's actually perfect. You get like a glimpse on how the culture works. Yeah, obviously in practical, there is still that friction of like, um, am I supposed to read all of this or am I supposed to kind of read through it while you know a period of a time and i mean to be honest with you we have only onboarded three people since we moved on to the remote work and we haven't really assessed if it really worked properly or, or not yet so that that's something we could actually go through later on and we'll see how the insights will be you could do a comparison on that potentially so take if you've got if you've onboarded three people um since it started to move rem be remote and then you take three people that were onboarded beforehand and basically just compare notes and just see what worked and what didn't work and and then you can assess those areas because we have no idea how long this all remote working is going to last it could last until the end of the year it could be until next summer so onboarding you're trying to get new people into your company it has to be done correctly or if you're getting them onto a new project like uh, Jesper was referring to they have to know what they're going to be doing because they're not next to you in the office to tap you on the shoulder so easily. So like you say, documentation has to be spot on, but they also have to feel welcome and understand the company culture, um, you know, fully as well. Is, is that um, ticked off all your boxes for you or is there some additional elements as well? Can I have a follow-up question? 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm wondering, um, have, have you got the need for people to, uh, when they join the company, learn that, learn about collaboration and learn ways to problem solve together and not just by having a meeting and discussing the problem on an abstract level, but actually sitting down and, and, and problem solve and, and uh, uh, sketch out a, a potential solution together, whether it be in a drawing software, a flowchart or actually coding together, anything like that. Yeah. Yes, would you want to take that first? Or? Yeah, I, I don't think we're we're doing a particularly good job of that at the moment. Um, the, I mean, one of the main things that you lose out when you go remote is is uh, how easy it is to just throw a question across the table to to the or people around you, uh, it 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 has a, a higher initial inertia to start typing something in the chat or or actually calling somebody up, and and I think people tend to like sit and and, and ponder. Yeah, get stuck. <laughs> their issues, or get, even get stuck um, instead of just you know, um, hey, who wants to help me do this? Thing a bit. Um, Do you have any ideas for um, how to onboard new people into that mentality that it's okay to reach out and even maybe learn new tools that will allow you to more easily um, paint your problem to others? I think I can add up something here. I'm sorry, just for the cut you off. Yeah. Uh, I no, think no. we've had the same issue as well, as in, you know, like especially when you work with engineering teams, this sometimes you're following like really complex um, problems to solve and we've tried to solve them through slack conversations and it always end up with like a rabbit hole <laughs> with like, messages going on and on and people like going in different direction but one particular solution that i've seen one team implement which is really amazing they have an open uh, hangout uh, room where you could see like hey uh, mr x can you help me with this and the answer that you get is a literally a hangout link so you jump in and it's basically an open open channel where a person is actually sitting in his computer. It has like a really set up, like a podcast set up with a proper mic and stuff like that. Then you jump in and you basically are talking with the person face to face. That's and, so sweet. Yeah, and basically with like we're based, we're a Mo programming based um, software teams. So we really encourage the team to work on a Mo session, peer programming session, and that really helps a lot. And basically, it's the same setup where you do a Mo programming session actually in the office so uh you have that you share your screen um you, you you kind of you code and you have somebody that is kind of driving um the coding part and then you have discussions and go in and stuff like that so there is that side you could do it really wrong by like you know ending up being stuck and not communicating or like going on and using the wrong tool for example slack and you know instant messaging basically <laughs> yeah we all know how much engineers love meetings <laughs> <laughs> but um i think it was like and, and some of the engineers they they like that setup of live streaming you know like a gaming live stream when you're like actually playing a game and saying oh my god like this is an attack and stuff like this and it's basically the same setup and i actually participated in one of those sessions and it's just been amazing um like recently we implemented like a bank id feature like how you could log in with a bank id and it took us like 45 minutes through that setup when you actually 
have that person live and you kind of having that conversation while you're coding and and you kind of share that experience the person actually sees what so you're because you have yeah sorry, sorry for interrupting you. I'm, I'm just curious so because you have that forum already established that means you don't really have to onboard people into using it because it's common practice in the team to constantly talk about it or exactly so some team leads they actually have yeah. that culture in them already you know like when we and not only engineers mm. like we onboarded a designer recently and the same process goes in like we've been using figma and figma has that collaboration tool where you could see live what's going on what the person is doing and you could see people actually pitching ideas uh, maybe that car shouldn't go there because it will not be that visible and you could see people actually pitching in ideas live and the designer is actually reshaping his design and stuff like that so yeah, it is it goes back again to a culture thing, you know, some people like to kind of work in their own space, but um, if the team or like um, has a culture of working together, I mean, the tool that you, you just find tools like that fits that need and, and it, the moment you find them, you kind of um, and you enroll more people in those tools, it just becomes easier and easier. Yeah, Thanks. I mean, so it, you know, you're all talking, you know, about the tools that you're using and about the culture that you're actually, you know, implementing from the ground up. And it, that's kind of making your onboarding a whole lot easier with rigorous documentation and having a, you know, ask questions first rather than make a mistake and you know, cause a lot of issues in the long term. You've got a very open uh, culture for that, what it seems to be at Svea. So if there's a company, or a team that you're responsible for that has it, like you say, some of your team leads have that culture. How do you approach one of your team leads that potentially hasn't adopted that culture yet? And do you have to like apply some additional encouragement yourself or you know, how are you addressing those situations? Cause not everybody is on board in the same way. That's true. Uh, and I think it's, it's a culture thing. I, I find myself speaking a lot about culture and one of the activities that we do is what we call Friday feedback. And Friday feedback, you could see it as a engineering-wide retro where teams bring in what worked best for them, what worked wrong, and we kind of find teams try to inspire other teams and have that collaborative learning. And I think th this kind of conversations were definitely discussed in those kind of rituals, as in you find a team that comes in and be like, we've had this issue before, we really struggled with communicating and getting stuff done. And this is how we solved it. And okay. systematically, you find other teams that, wait, we've had that issue as well, you know? And it's like, yeah, it would be nice to try that out. And that's how you, like, teams onboarding other teams into their good practices and stuff like that. And, and I think um, also, again, a culture thingy when you embrace learning, you know, like sometimes if your team leads kind of have, like, they're very religious when it comes to the practices, how they work and stuff like that, it kind of, you find that friction conveying different ideas and stuff like that. But if you kind of push in a culture of growth and kind of not your, all your rituals are set in stones and you can actually keep learning as a team, as a team lead and stuff like that, then the team systematically, they, they are keen to adopt new methods, new tools and stuff like this. So, so I think it's all about culture. I think it just, you know, makes things fall in place after all. So start early and the sooner you start that culture, then it's just easier to maintain. If you have to readdress and you know rebuild it from the ground up, then it's a lot harder. But if you, the sooner you start, the sooner you can achieve that you know, you know that balance of what you need from a company. Um, yeah, fantastic. Uh, Jess, have you got any more points um, to add to kind of like the 
that area before we move on to Usama's points? I guess I guess the only thing that I thought about because Fia said you know how much engineers love meetings. Um, I think what we're what we're doing successfully now that we actually didn't do before is uh, doing stand-ups because uh, some in some of my more intense project we're doing stand-ups basically every four hours and that works very well uh, because then you get to a point that people actually um, i mean everybody treats the stand-up as you're supposed to treat the stand-up it's it's sometimes at least in sweden there is a tendency of, of dragging things out and not actually making it efficient um, but if you do it very often when you're in an intensive um, development phase uh, you get to a level where you actually just okay yeah this 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 okay done go on and four hours later you go okay now this done this problem this done okay next and so on so that that actually works well yeah so just um during the intensive periods of development just having those extra stand-up sessions just to keep everybody more more and on, more and on this thing yeah okay because i think there's two sides to the coin with that one i think there's some level of autonomy that some companies try and go down like one in the morning and potentially one in the afternoon and kind of just get on with it but then if there's you know a lot of changes that need to be made throughout the day potentially having that additional catch-up in the middle of it to kind of break it up and you know if there are any blockers in place you know that there's, there's that meeting there where you can jump in and say hey this is an issue i'm facing and it gets yeah. treated with almost Direct. It gets around this initial inertia of uh, not wanting to disturb others with your question that you actually would exactly. like to have. It's a scheduled meeting and, you know, you, you know, you can't avoid it. So, yeah, perfect. Um, Usama, you've got questions about, you know, emotional uh, challenges and, you know, general engineering effectiveness. So do you want to uh, take that away? Yep. Um, so it's mainly like I think when we speak about remote work and um, compared to uh, uh, in-person work, I think one of the key challenges that I would really like your opinions on is how do we handle that serenity, you know, like that calmness and, you know, getting each other's back and that emotional challenge in general when it comes to remote work. And particularly when we're, I'm speaking about, like when I, I spoke a lot about culture, but like how do you digitalize that culture? and what from one thing the second thing is how do we handle distractions and kind of replicating that office like focus space and also the motivation and kind of unplugging after work i know some some engineers they really like dive into the code and then it just goes around so how do we kind of encourage people and set up like a good guideline from this yeah uh fear do you want to crack on with that one um can i start yeah yeah <laughs> by all means yeah um i uh <laughs> um, I've tried a couple of different things. Um, after working remote, it became very important for me as a manager to be available and to notify my team members almost daily that I am available so they get reminded uh, to call me if there's anything. And um, I started noticing that sitting at my desk and talking with them with my, my desktop webcam, you know, sitting like I do normally when I work, doesn't work so well uh, because usually um, people want to talk about um, 
how they feel about being alone, for example, how they feel about um, solving difficult things alone or, or lo uh, losing touch with um, their colleagues and things like that. Um, or they want to talk about some colleague who is not delivering on time that they're upset about. And uh, these more difficult topics usually require me to, to go out for a walk and encourage them to do the same so that we can talk more freely and we're not sitting in front of our desk. And I think that worked really well. So I started to take, uh, instead of video calls, I started to take phone calls with them uh, and going on a walk basically together and, and um, letting them talk through whatever issue they have and encourage them to think, well, maybe that colleague that you're upset about, they actually have a tough time too at work right now. So they can't deliver. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about what they are going through? So um, taking things on a little bit more personal level like that and not sitting at your desk when you take those calls really helped. Um, something else that uh, helped a lot was um, we had already fortunately a culture where we as a group and did um, bi-weekly check-ins where we just checked like the temperature. How is it? How you feel? How does it go? So we asked two questions. We asked, um, how has the last two weeks been for you? Can you give me uh, a negative and a, um, a positive note uh, to share with the group? And I tried as a mom, I'm moving house right now. It's really stressful for me. Um, or positive things like I got a new dog or whatever. Um, and then uh, that could also be stressful, of course. <laughs> yep. um, and then uh, I noticed after a while that, that the group sort of catched on and, and kept their information at a similar level to mine as a manager. So um, we, what I noticed was that we took a break at first um, after the COVID situation started up and we um, forgot kind of that habit. But then we started it up again and um, it became a recurring um, a recurring forum where um, before that they, they thought about the points that they're going to bring up. And we made a thing that if a point uh, recurs two weeks in a row, then we call it an issue and we have to try to, to amend it some way. While sometimes these things can just be good to vent about and then they kind of go away on their own. So the, I think that that habit of having that as a group experience um, was really good because um, when I was not available, I would always ask someone senior in the group to take lead on that. And I would ask them to, you know, show the way. Um, so there was always someone there to listen, even if the manager is away. I think that really helped us when we were on remote. One thing about that that I'm curious about, um, sorry to interrupt, is when those kind of meetings take place on a group level, do you not feel that sometimes people feel less inclined to openly share, especially if one of their, you know, you're saying one good point and one bad point, potentially another person yeah. in the group could be the bad point. So they might not want to, yeah. in a meeting full of, you know, 10 developers, be like, he's my issue and literally point the finger. That yeah, could cause it's some... a very good question. I would say uh, in the very beginning, so we've had this, uh, this type of check-in now for about two years. And, and members have con uh, gone and, and, and went away again. Uh, they, they've come and, and gone in the group. So uh, it's been a changing group. And I noticed uh, that problem that you're surfacing happened more in the beginning uh, when we just formed that habit. And then after a while, especially after me and the other seniors were sharing 
uh, more genuine thoughts and points. Uh, after a while, that sort of went away. Uh, and it forced people uh, in a good social way to actually phrase their negative things in such a way that they would be um, more um, meaningful and more, more, what's the word in English, um, more constructive than they would in a personal talking with the manager way. And so um, it became almost like a, the group takes care of itself situation where um, there were absolutely people in the group who uh, had, what do you call it, the disagreements about things. And they were able to talk about it after a while in a more mature way, I thought, than uh, you know, having a one-way discussion with your manager, and then the manager has to try to resolve that uh, as a Chinese whisper game. So, I think if you have the patience and you're willing to to try it, um, after a couple of months or so, you you probably will start noticing a little bit of a shift in how people phrase their negative commentary um, in a more mature way because of the group dynamic. Pressure. Yeah. So you're kind of assisting in personal yeah. growth at the same time there. Uh, Jesper, I thought so. have you got any uh, points for this one? Yeah, I think I think one important thing to realize, uh, going back to Osa's original question, is that um, a lot of people have very, very different requirements uh, in terms of, of setting up this environment so that they can focus and, and how much distractions they have in their space and so on. I mean, there's this... If you're if you're a couple both working from home, from home uh, in a one room apartment in Stockholm, uh, you can't have meetings at the same time. It can be extremely frustrating, just that. Or if you have a lot of kids, that you, I mean, I have kids, and now if they like sneeze in the morning, they can't go to school, um, and and that becomes frustrating. So it's it's all very different. Everybody has different requirements, and the important thing is. To make sure that we try to capture that spectrum and and provide whatever we can think of providing uh, for the people that need that so we have tried you know to make sure that we we provide um, somebody that can run the errands and deliver whatever stuff they need uh, and and then that we have forums where you can talk about uh, the things that are important to some people, like, for example, talking about how frustrating it is to not be able to have a social interaction with your friends or, or maybe try to have some mental exercises, like how, how can we, we have, we have some people in the company who are interested in, in you know, um, leading the meditational, guided meditational type of things. and. And that's all available for the people who want it. And, and for each thing, there is a, a small percentage of, of uh, the staff that thinks that's something for them, but then it's good for them. So it's, yeah. it's, there is not like this uh, solve all things that you can do, but you need to provide something for those, something for those, something for those, and, and somebody would use it and appreciate it. I mean, that's something that I've, you see, if I don't know how often you three are looking on LinkedIn at posts that are generated by individuals, but one of the biggest topics that you'll see right now thrown around or the biggest phrase is about employee flexibility. 
So that's what you're saying in terms of what works for one individual might not work for another. So one individual may actually be excelling and really overperforming working from home. Whereas you've got another individual that's, you know, living alone has huge mental potential like depression based upon that, which is impacting their, uh, you know, effectiveness. And they yeah, need to so this whole uh, remote thing kind of exaggerate that because when you bring everybody into the office, you're kind of unifying it. Yeah. So so you're you're making it less uh, disparate, and then when you're when everybody is at home, the differences are huge. Yes, and that's what you need to take Maybe into account. I can particularly add something here. This is something like really personal to me as well, uh, as in. You know, like for me, like when you, when I I'm, I'm very much into like um, workspace or like whatever the space that you're in defines your mindset basically, and that goes hand in hand. Like you know, when when you come to work, you basically have that mindset. Okay, now I'm, I'm in work, and it kind of shifts the mind space into well now okay whatever um, issues I have at home, whatever um, other stuff you know that I gather at home and I speak about and I kind of think about at home, they stay at home. And now I'm in the office. I have my colleagues around me. And kind of shift in that mentality to start working on this, the things how i can contribute uh, but then when you're actually working from home there is no split you know you kind of have to find that yourself you kind of tap into your mind and say well now i gotta work and you know i gotta you know and kind of organize myself at home to kind of you know put myself into the headspace to kind of you know like i have family stuff i have you know i'm thinking about this investment i'm thinking about this friend thingy and stuff like that but then if you're able to shift from that to now, now I'm actually working and, you know, kind of do some, I don't know what kind of hacks or techniques people use to do this kind of things. I personally, I personally, uh, when the office is not that crowded these days, I allow myself to come here and kind of find that space or go to a co-working space or a cafe so I can put myself into that headspace. Um, yep. Just get yeah. out of the four walls of your apartment, essentially. Yeah. There's also- On that topic, um, yeah. yeah. I was going to say um, a lot of our problem solving occurs not when we're at our desk and it occurs in the shower or it occurs, you know, when you're on a walk or when you're driving a car or whatever you are. So I think uh, as a manager, what you could also do is encourage people uh, to take that time and not feel like they need to be chained at their desk. And if people have, uh, you know, life puzzle situations that they need to sort out, um, encourage them to talk about that with you and, and, and figure out what would work. If the regular business hour doesn't work for you for some reason, uh, maybe your um, your partner has, for example, meetings during the same time that you have meetings, uh, just figure out the schedule that will work for them. I think it's really important. Yeah, I think that's really amazing that you said that, Fia. I think one of the things that we're trying to do here is actually use the calendar tool. Like uh, we use Google Calendar here and actually try to encourage people to set times and uh, that works for you uh for example is get away from the classic nine to five thingy if it doesn't work you know you work remotely you have different circumstances different setup but at least mm -hmm. if you can dedicate some time so say for example today i think i would work better if i start like at 11 and kind of push out a little bit in the night when it's calm there isn't that much destruction and stuff like this i think yeah learning how to kind of use the calendar to block sets of hours for special things that that's really good and also touching upon what yeah. you said earlier on the on the walks and stuff like that i recently started taking all my one-on-ones um with the engineers while walking 
and I always try to encourage people to do, do something different, you know, like um, uh, go on a walk, put on the headphones and put on the call instead of a face to face call, just have like a phone call, mm -hmm. as you said, and, you know, speak about different yeah. things, you know, outside the work um, environment. Yeah, uh, Jesper, do you, do you have any follow ups from that one? No, no, I, I... Uh, we, we spoke mostly about the emotional uh, challenges there with the remote work. However, the second point that Usama had was about making sure that, you know, they're still being as effective as well. So, for example, yeah, do you, does one of you want to start? Like, how do you keep them focused, engaged and on target when you don't see them every day to keep track, so to speak? Do you want to start with that one, Jesper? I don't see that as a problem. I think it's rather the other way around. Um, okay. the, the, at least that's that's my personal sort of feeling of it. That it's it's actually easier. People appear more focused um, in, in in this environment than than what was happening in the office. That's my experience. Okay, so you don't need to manage any of that at all. Like, um, you know, if someone's potentially not hitting targets or not delivering on time, you're not running into any of these. Or, you know, even if they are hit, keeping up to date and keeping on time, surely there must be something in place where you can at least acknowledge that, whether it, whether it is the stand-ups that you're having so that you can keep kind of track of what people are doing. If you've got some kind of like um work day management tool for your team where they can say submit work and you're notified in a more like management perspective we, we 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 don't have that level of detail in the management tools um uh, that, that i think would be a little uh, we're doing it in yeah, our small groups but, just as an example <laughs> but but uh again the Getting people to focus has not been an issue. I mean, the, the, my feeling of, of our developers is, is that with, with these uh, rather quick stand-ups and, and clear tasks, people are, are delivering very well. Fantastic. How about uh, you, Fear, from when you, you're managing some teams at uh, EA? You know, obviously you had to make sure that, you know, whether it was development you were in or operations, you've got to like keep track of what they're doing to some degree and make sure that they're pushing forward with their tasks. How would you keep up to date with that? Um, let me start with um, a slightly different perspective of that. I think a lot of people within um, our industry is uh, extremely passionate and uh, extremely keen on delivering. Um, and you, a lot of the problems that were surfacing during um, when we worked more distributed um, all over the country, but also as the, you know, um, corporation grew all over the world is uh, not feeling like you're delivering uh, enough. And so the perception of not being effective, uh, comparing yourself towards others who are maybe extremely, um, you know, online and available at all times. So. A lot of the difficulties were around the, the emotion of not feeling like you're doing enough. And so um, a lot of the things we're doing around that is making sure that um, people's work is being um, put in the spotlight and that other people can see your work. Uh, so we do a lot of these uh, 
sharing sessions where we do vid with screens and we are showing off, you know, uh, I've solved this complex problem in this way in front of the group and encouraging uh, recording videos of the working software uh, to share, you know, um, and, and celebrate the work that you did. And sometimes, especially when you're um, a developer who is solving extremely complex problems, it takes maybe a, a couple of days to solve one problem. So it feels like you have a really low um, velocity in, in your work. And so we make, try to make sure to, to have a culture of sharing, um, you know, partially done work or done work. Um, and I think that that approach also helps us in encouraging people to be effective because uh, I believe a lot in this positive reinforcement where if you are seeing your teammates doing really well um, you also want to do really well and then it's a matter um, of just trying to handle your expectations on yourself so they don't get you know you don't get over pushed to deliver things that it's over your capacity um, so that's how I like to look at it as as in uh, being Encouraging your team to dare to share work that's in progress and dare to celebrate work and be proud of the work that you do, no matter if it's fast or slow or complex or simple, whatever it is. Um, and I, I, I think when, when it comes to tracking work, we're trying to do similar things as you are mentioning, Jesper, with uh, checking in often and making sure that you're uh, letting the team know. Uh, this is the type of task that I'm looking to solve today. Uh, is there anyone who has any dependencies that I should look at, you know, more urgently than uh, the task that I'm doing? And then this constant communication that, you know, I'm blocked. Is there anyone who can fix this so I can become unlocked? Um, and then if there's anyone on the team who is not um, communicating uh, as often, then, you know, as a manager, I try to check in with them and make sure they're okay and see if there's any blockers that they need help with um, and also um, I believe a lot in using your other senior staff to trying to help you with that type of duty so that um, there's more than one person to reach out to and, and who constantly checks in with the team members yeah fantastic Usa what do you think of the responses to those questions you got anything that you'd like to follow up with or is that yeah. all right yeah, I think um, I want to touch point on what Gisbert said. Um, I, I think we've had the same experience here at Svea where where we saw like when we did that shift to remote work, all of a sudden we saw this interesting phenomena where actually contribution went up. Um, all of a sudden, um, like we, we have those that we use GitHub for all our um, code uh, management and code, like source code uh, version and stuff like that. And you can see that there is more contribution um, to the code basis when we all of a sudden switch it to remotely. And, and that was really interesting to look at. Um, another thing is that we've seen that our Slack activities went up. That's, I would say that's natural since uh, the conversations that happened offline face-to-face -face was were taken more of like a online basis on the Slack channels and stuff like that. Um, but also in terms of like what Fia said, I think that's a really amazing point where you celebrate um, the teams um, achievements, and I think that's something we push for. Um, we've we've seen in software. You're probably all familiar with the release notes, uh, where well, we released this, we worked on this, and I think we even took it to the next level, where we kind of took those release notes and we saw it as like a, a team marketing um, asset. As in, every team they kind of try to push for, hey, this week we worked on this, and they do a little recording on the the product itself. 
where they showcase what they worked on and stuff like that. And you see a lot of uh, uh, MOG reactions on Slack and people like sending cheers and stuff like that. Like, oh, this is amazing feature. Good job, guys, and stuff like this. And also, you know, try to, even though it went remote, um, keep kind of remind people that, uh, yeah, we're still doing great things. And it kind of, you know, it's a self-fulfilling um, system where, yeah, you feel like, am I really working good? Am I really contributing? And then you see the other teams kind of going on and doing great stuff. And then you want to do the same thing and showcase what you've done as a team. And kind of it's like, um, you know, self-encouraging culture where you don't really have to micromanage or kind of like do some tracking or something like that. You know, it also goes back to the culture again, where, you know, celebrate the work and be available for others to kind of uh, receive any support you need. Okay, fantastic. Right, and then we're on to the final two points of uh, Jesper. We have, to some degree, covered the first one a little bit. But uh, we can go into a little bit more detail potentially on. A, I'm sure Usa's got quite a lot to mention on this part on like from the get go. How are we introducing that company culture from someone that's brand new to the company, for example? Like, how do you get them straight on board with how to work? But uh, yeah, if you want to take away, you know, your first question, Jesper, and <clears throat> yeah, the, the, I guess I guess it's uh, prompted by us actually having employed. A number of people uh, since going remote, and um, one of the developers in my team just made this comment uh, day before yesterday. I think it's like, actually, I'm thinking of going into the office someday, and and nobody was really sort of seeing the significance of this statement, saying, okay, yeah, why? No, I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. okay yeah uh sure <laughs> um so so for us who sort of were employed before of course we didn't see it on from that perspective and and that that prompted this question i think it's um it's it's uh interesting how you make how you how you sort of include people in in some kind of a company culture in this environment and obviously we had failed bitterly in in doing that upper level um, but that's from a very physical perspective as well i think there's a lot of like company culture which is more on like how you like treat each other and work together and so on and so forth exactly and yeah. all of that gets um sort of pushed under the rug um when you're just interacting through the screen. Yeah, 100%. All right, uh, so yeah, Uso, would you like to start this one? Um, like from a brand new employee that you bring into Svea, you know, you've literally just hired him, paperwork's been signed, then he started on Monday. How do you, or she, uh, how do you go about that? Uh, making sure that they're, you know, as introduced as, as possible into the company, both culturally and physically. Yeah, I think, um, so for us, it's like something really important, um, especially um, for like um, high performing teams and teams that have like a huge backlog and things that needs to be done and things like that. The sooner you onboard someone, um, not only um, when technical onboarding, as in, well, you have the right thing to, so you can start contributing, but also onboard the mindset, onboard the culture, so they can fit in and kind of feel that they belong from, wouldn't say day one, but at least the first week or first two weeks. And I think that that has been a challenge, to be honest, uh, 
especially as as Jesper said, you know, doing it through the screen and stuff like that. But um, I think I'm, I'm going to repeat myself here. But like one thing that really helped us the most is the documentation, and making sure uh, not we all, we not only document like like a like a technical documentation. This is how you clone the repo. This is how you make your first contribution, but also document how we work and stuff like that. If you have a question first, have a meeting with this person. And I particularly can can speak about an experience again when I when we onboarded a designer. We kind of before that person joined we've had a meeting to decide on how it's going to feel like and how it's going to look like when you get on board it so and we kind of went through with the person and kind of found out like a checklist first of all you have to uh, book a little hangout meeting uh, with our cmo so he can explain to you our brand our strategy and things like that so you get a picture on what we are really trying to do the second thing, maybe you want to sit with the brand team to understand the key elements of the brand, the colors, um, how do we use the typo and stuff like this. So you can actually tap into the brand and have the, the, the necessary tools so you can start contributing in terms of design. And this, the third thing is that, well, now you kind of made it and you have to speak with the team. So set up something for yourself, whatever might, you might like to do. Some people, they, they already worked with some tools previously. We don't want to kind of be very... Um, strict on that like no 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 you're going to use this tool to kind of get to where you want so but let them actually suggest what kind of tool they want to drive their meeting into and i've seen i've seen particular innovation in there where people um they decide oh this is how i want to be onboarded you know i kind of this is the piece of information i need to kind of feel uh feel included the feel that i can actually start working on this as soon as possible and that particularly helped you know kind of sit with the person before they join and kind of go through a mental model uh, on your first date, what would you like to do? Uh, and you kind of go through with them and kind of try to guide them through key elements that they kind of need, but then let them kind of suggest how they want to do it and things Come like that. Come to that point themselves, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You said, you said yeah. you'd hired three people during this time. Um, going back to Jesper's point about the guy that, you know, he's not actually been in the office yet. The three individuals that you've hired, have they been into the office yet? Like, have they seen where their desk is, for example, or where they'd be sitting? So, like, get some claim, some ownership to the company office physically as well. Even though they can't sit there right now, they know it's theirs and they know that belongs to them. And from a yes. mental aspect, that kind of, like, makes them belong a bit more. Yes, they did have access to the office. And I think... Um... That, that didn't come in as a requirement. You have to be in the office in your first day, then you could go on and work remotely. But uh, that was natural from them to kind of, I, can I come to the office and say, hi, is there anybody and stuff like that. And luckily all of them had a chance to come in here and see how the office space looked like. And even though they knew they're gonna be working most of the time remotely. Uh, so, but, but that, as I said, that we didn't really set that as a requirement, you know, it came in naturally from the people and we didn't really restrict it um since the office is already empty so we saw like yeah well you could go in there and check it out and see how it is and feel like well this is how it's going to be if, if at least you got to come in here and later in the future and work from here yeah but maybe not even from like a like a requirement perspective to be fair from a an employee perspective actually being introduced might actually make you feel better about starting there so it may not be a requirement but it from a like a senior perspective you might want to enforce it internally as part of your culture say hey this is your place now um, welcome it's very I, I just presume it'd be very welcoming to actually show them around the office as well uh how about I like you that, i like that idea of, of actually asking what would you like your first day to be because yeah. actually 
this is this is not really i mean it's not a one-sided problem we we we're all part of it so i think that's a that's a really good uh, question to ask because that makes you know both me and the new employee think about what's going on i really like that and you'll learn more about the person as well like what do they want to get the most value out of their first day is it meeting the team and you'll learn about them you know if they're more of like a team member or if out of their first day they want okay let's tackle the first problem then you think okay then this individual is a bit more you know driven in terms of like you know get hitting targets and so on and so forth so you kind of learn a little bit by offering that as a choice exactly yeah yeah uh fear do you want to unmute and uh have a point on that one yeah i love it i think definitely going to bring that one to heart thank you i think uh um i a while back, we started to create and follow a onboarding package. That's your first 90 days of the company um, that every week you open a new Excel sheet and there is described uh, missions or tasks that you're accomplishing that week together with your manager or your peer group or whomever it says. So on there could be things like meet your brand manager, uh, meet your um, your quality tester and things like that. And it's very focused around people. Um, but we're also customizing it, um, and I'm encouraging my team, I was encouraging my team to customize it to the team needs. And so to uh, build your first uh, um, software thing, for example, build your first tool, whatever it is. Um, and then what we try to do is also uh, incorporate things like show off your first tool to the group, uh, have the director group play test your first demo, for example, uh, of the game. And so we're trying to be a little bit creative into uh, adding tasks that aren't just uh, there uh, for you to check off, but actually you look forward to like, wow, in three weeks, I'm going to, you know, play test with the director group. That sounds really a bit scary, but, you know, um, also fun. Mm -hmm. um, so things like that has helped us a lot. And um, uh, then trying to uh, put a little bit of everything in there, as in uh, get introduced to uh, simple tasks, more uh, undefined complex tasks that by nature will um, beg you to go and, and look up different type of experts who can help you to solve problems, all these things. Um, and then I think in before we had a, a guide or a, um, a log like that to go through, every team had to solve, solve this um, employee introduction process uh, on their own. And so a lot of time was spent even if it felt like less time since you only went through it once the employee started, uh, it turned out to be way more time spent on it because you had to solve it for every new employee. So when we started to pay this cost more upfront and say, this is the process everyone will go through and it'll slightly customized for each team, um, then at least um, everyone is getting the same experience and we can you know, improve that full experience instead of um, paying the cost per employee. So. Um, in regards to the physical space, uh, I haven't thought of that. We don't have a physical um, introduction to the offices uh, unless we have to go there. In the past year, we haven't, the past six months, we haven't really had a, any interaction at the office. But we do have, um, I think since summer, uh, we have given everyone a little bit more cash so that they can buy office supplies to their homes. Um, they, they could order, uh, 
branded stuff and get them delivered to their homes so that if they want to dress up their home office a little bit with a new chair or new coffee maker or whatever it is to make them feel comfortable, they can do that uh, now. Uh, and nice. since we're not paying, we're not, yeah, we're not paying the cost of having like, you know, cleaners come and clean the office and our electricity bill, I'm sure has gone down and things like that. Um, we could, we can afford that money being spent directly on the employee instead. Uh, and we tried both ways. So we tried to uh, reimburse them for their spends and, you know, check receipts so that they did actually spend it on office things. Uh, but then eventually um, we just kind of fronted them the cash and, and let them um, do what they want with it. Decide what was meaningful for them to, to, to dress their office with. Yeah. Hmm. Fantastic. Is there any like follow-up question from that, Jesper, that you'd like to include? No, there's plenty of plenty of. Uh, That's quite good, good stuff there, actually. Yeah. Um, so then it's just that final uh, question from you, Jesper, about the you know the uh, peer programming sessions. So if you want to go in a bit more, a more technical question, uh, yeah. we have we don't have a mandated uh, environment. People are using various uh, IDEs and stuffs. And uh, you said also that you're you're using streaming, but uh, that that means that there is one person driving. Um, so if if you want to get away from that and have like a collaborative coding creation, um, I'm I haven't found any tool slash product or something that allows people using different IDEs to, to collaboratively edit the code. And that's uh, sort of a, a bit hampering on the, uh, on the peer slash mob experience. So I was just wondering if you guys had, had uh, any tips or investigations along those lines. Yeah, uh, I think um, one particular experience that I've been part of is um yeah basically we haven't really found a tool that really makes it easier and stuff like that i mean we've tried there is like a feature in visual studio code where you could live code or something like that but it, I, I don't think the experience is that beautiful uh, it's very struggle a lot with stuff and you get it's not beautiful and it, it's limited to uh, vs code which destroys exactly. um, uh, it for the people who don't use that but one way we did it since uh, i think the largest more programming session we've had is like four people and uh, what we do is that um, code test and commit. And basically um, you share your screen. We're like in a Google Hangout, four people. Um, you, you take over the screen, you share your screen, you see what you're coding on and you have your terminal right there. You write a piece of code um, while you, you're the driver's seat, right? You're supposed to write. But then there's a person that is in the passenger seat to kind of guide you through. And when your time is over, you kind of commit and push. And then everybody just do a git pull and then everybody got that version and then you continue. And um, it seems like, well, it's a bit of hacky-ish, but it kind of works smoothly. Um, you know, and you also have that nice commit code, like commit history, what it's like, okay. Yeah, but still you're in, the, you're in the situation where one person is driving and this is what I'm, I'm trying to get away from. Just really do it fair. I guess I'm, you know, you talked about the Figma experience, exactly that, but for code. Mm. Yeah, that could be very complex too, uh, especially when you're collaborating on the same feature or same like kind of code uh, problem space and having everybody like doing a piece of things. I, I, we particularly haven't had that situation where three people coding at the same time on something and let it let it run through and then at the end see what's, what's the output. 
I think that's interesting to look into. So you're almost trying to give up your like keyboard and mouse over. Yeah, they say you know you're you're when you're on the video and when one person is streaming, you get to the point where no no change that no you no no not not there go that other place go there and and paste this thing there no not that one it yeah. just gets so, very like potentially you could use like Team Viewer or Quick Assist to take over. Yeah, exactly. Not but then really. You, like, then you have VPN issues. And lifting it out of the the place where where everybody can just hit deploy and and see the effect of it so that's yeah yeah i think, I the, think the, uh, are, you, are you using anything at ea on for those types of sessions that's a very good question um we uh we have both code soft uh, like we make software with code we also make it with visual scripting um, so in visual scripting, we have tools where you can uh, diff the code and visually get a representation of the code, uh, like pre uh, before and after, and meta tag it as this is the user that submitted this part of the code block, and this is a user submitting different part of the code block, with like a, a meta uh, comment. But that's in-house tooling. So um, for for code code, um, I don't think we live code. I think we do what you said, Paul, with a um, we use Team Viewer or something where you can actually give over your um, your whole computer to someone else um, and then share that among even a group. Um, I do think it's we're of a let me say rephrase it. So we uh, are in an era right now where we probably have to invest a lot as companies in tooling because we have entire different challenges now with a distributed team and remote work. So I would encourage us to. Um, you know, trying to reach out and see if there's a network out there, a community around tooling that is already solving your needs um, and, and bring that question up and, and, and even, you know, look into whether you can employ uh, tooling specific experts into your company to help you develop tools. Since tools is kind of a, uh, it's like milk, they will, you know, easily get sour and not be usable by anyone. You have to continue developing for the stuff that you have now um, and the, the needs that you have now. I think. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, is there any uh, follow up that you want to have on that, Jesper? No, I. I mean, I've been looking at, at various available products in the area and, and uh, not really found anything. So I was just basically curious if. Well, I have a another roundtable next week on Thursday covering the same topic, uh, scalability within distributed teams, and that's with some CTOs next week as well. So if I, I'll bring up the same question, is there like a tooling? And then if, I, if they actually have one or come up with one, then I'll just ping all three of you an email and say, hey, check this out. This might be what you're looking for uh, and see how that works. Um, but yeah, is there any follow-up that anybody would like to add in? I know we've just run over the time a little bit, but it's only a couple of minutes. Is there any final topic that someone wants to get off their chest? No, I think it was a nice, nice dialogue. Yeah, no, perfect. So like I say, scalability within distribute teams goes all the way from getting new people into the company, the whole interview and onboarding process, and then how do you introduce that company culture? And I think the topics that we've gone over is kind of like hit the nails on all of the heads there. Um, so yeah, fantastic. Um, I'd like to thank all of you for uh, taking the time out of your afternoons, evenings to jump in today. Um, 
and I'll arrange just to follow up chat next week with all of you. And I kind of want to get some feedback from yourself as well, what you liked, what you think could have been better from kind of like the arrangement perspective. Um, yeah, um, so we'll have that follow-up next week and we'll tell you what kind of like sound bites we've got and, you know, how it will look. I want my virtual flower bouquet. Yeah, <laughs> I can do one. Thank you, Paul, for organizing things. this. There's uh, a party time for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent.